Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And good morning. I'm Heather Caro. I'm Father Tim Cohn. And we're broadcasting today from Holy Spirit Parish in Mitchell, South Dakota. Thank you for joining us on this fine beautiful Monday morning. That's right. The first Monday after the octave of Easter. How are you doing? Oh man, I'm actually really excited. (laughs) 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 I mean, things kind of start to slow down a little bit after, you know, the the beautiful uh, week-long eight-day celebration of Easter Sunday. Yeah. And uh, now there's a, a little bit of normalcy to celebrating the gift of the resurrection. That's always exciting. Yeah. The octave of Easter. Oh man. So here we are. Yep. Before we get too far, will you start us in prayer? I would love to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for bringing us to this day and the gift of your love and the joy that comes with the resurrection of your Son. Lord, let your spirit and let your joy fill our hearts every day during this Easter season. And we praise you. We thank you. And be with us during this time, Lord. Fill us with your peace and with your love. And we ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, it's a joy to be with you today. You're always so joyful. You said you're not a morning person, but you sure wake up quickly. Yeah, yeah, no, I've already, I've spent time with our Lord. I had mass and I had a cup of coffee. You know, that's that's about the order it has to go. Yeah, I I woke up on my drive over here, so I'm ready to go. I'm really, really excited for today's show. Um, We have Deacon Mike McEwen on first, and then Jill Young from Aberdeen, and then Bishop DeGrude. (laughs) Dude, that's a powerhouse show right there. I know. And then host banter. Host banter. That's one of my favorites. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I don't know if it's the audience's favorite, but we sure like it. That's okay. We love you people. (laughs) (laughs) You have to listen to it anyway. So I'm excited. Deacon Mike McEwen, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this fine morning? Not bad for a very cold, windy spring day in Minnesota. (laughs) What is up with the wind? I don't know, but hey, we had a great Easter, didn't we? We absolutely did. We got to have Easter together. Oh, no kidding. Well, not with Father, not with Deacon, but just (laughs) with others. With others. Maybe we can work that out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's still time. (laughs) (laughs) It was just nice to be with your fellow Catholics. Yes, it really was. And not in my living room. So, Deacon Mike, tell the listeners a little bit about where you're from and uh, where you're assigned. I am from Sleepy Eye, Minnesota, and uh, I'm a deacon for the diocese in the Diocese of New Ulm. I uh, currently work as director of development and director of healing ministry Hmm. for the Diocese of New Ulm. What a beautiful ministry. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good combination. Absolutely. So what parish, um, are you at a parish? I am at St. Mary's in Sleepy Eye, and we're okay. part of a, a four-parish area faith community. Oh, okay. Father Tim Cohn was trying to decide if you guys had met before. Uh, yeah, I don't, it, it's possible, uh, 
Where are you from, Father Tim? Well, I uh, uh, well in the seminary we do stuff. Uh, uh, I couldn't remember if you were you were the deacon that's uh, over in the Ortonville area. Uh, uh, to go up no, to the Abbey be, of the Hills? Yeah. Yeah, Father, or, excuse me, Deacon <laughs> Paul Trinan. He's a classmate. Oh, right, right. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that you, in a conversation with him, he talked about you. That's probably what it is. I may have met <laughs> <Okay>. Deacon Paul. <laughs> we only broadcast from there. <laughs> So I'm really excited to talk with you, Deacon Mike. Uh, the, the, the show notes look so interesting. Uh, we're going to be de- talking about learning to live in the divine will through the teaching mm-hmm. of servant God. So let's get started. Where would you like to start with this? Well, um, how about maybe we'll uh, to start off with an introduction of who is servant of God, Louisa Picaretta? Yes. And what uh, kind of... Uh, where she, what her background is, and what this gift is. So, uh, Jesus revealed to servant of God, Louisa Picaretta, a uh, a new expression of his will, not necessarily something totally new, but an explication of, of revelation of how to live uh, fully united and immersed in his will in a way, as a gift, that has never been given before, before the times that we're in. And this is uh, something that was gradually revealed to her over time. And to give you a little background on her life, she was born in 1865. And at that time, uh, she was she was baptized right when she was born. And uh, it was, she was a very simple woman. She only had a first-grade education, and when she was nine years old at her confirmation and first communion, she had them on the same day, Jesus began to communicate to her. Wow. And then and where was she from? Later, oh, she was from Toronto, Italy. Okay. Hence and, the last uh, name. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're surrounded by saints and, and uh, mystics from many centuries when you're over in Italy. So, um, mm-hmm. But yes. It, she had this vision uh, a few years later, when she was 13, I believe, of Jesus. Uh, it was the first time she had a vision. She was standing out on her balcony, and she saw this vision of Jesus walking down the street, carrying the cross with a throng of people. And he looked up at her, and he said, Soul, help me. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that just had this impact on her heart, that he gradually revealed to her how she would help him. Uh, and she was a victim soul. Um, she was at first intermittently confined to bed, but then later on it was it was full time. She spent decades not being able to get out of bed, and um, just being brought deeper into stages of uh, not just unity with divine will, but being immersed fully into God's divine will. Wow. Well, and I think it's really fascinating that she was so young and listening to the call of God and being able to see and hear him. Um, what did it, what were the reactions of her family? Do you know what they thought of that? Well, there were, I think, certain family members that had their doubts about what was she was going through. And part of that is because uh, there were priests uh, initially that were dealing with her that had their doubts. Mm-hmm. And w- one of the phenomena that she experienced is she went into 
almost like a rigor mortis at night where mm. she would she would just be totally stiff. And they at first they thought it was a medical condition. They couldn't get her to bend. The only thing that would bring her out of it was the blessing of a priest. Wow. And when the when the priest would bless her, then she would be able to return to normal. And what Jesus had revealed to her is this was his way of bringing uh, the priest into it. And wow. so they they would come and they would give her the blessing, and some of them didn't like it. You know, they had to take time out of their duties, but the bishop, you know, gave them that directive, go and give her that blessing each day. Um, but it was through that contact with uh, priests that she was able to uh, have this message of the divine will further disseminated. Eventually, one of the priests that came was Father Hannibal de Francia, who was later uh, canonized by Pope John Paul II. He was the one that really took up her spirituality, um, and uh, he he had he started the Rogationists. He started the the Divine and Daughters of Divine Zeal. So he had different orders that he started. But once he met Louisa, once he was uh, exposed to Divine Will spirituality, that became his life, and it was uh, just working with Saint Hannibal that really. Uh, maybe started to, to give this revelation a new credence. Hmm. So <clears throat> one thing I want to take a step back and look at, just real briefly for our listeners. So she has the title Servant of God. What does that mean? <clears throat> well, there's certain processes that uh, you go through on the way to beatification. So, servant of God, uh, the way I understand it, and, and uh, Father Tim, you probably have a, a better grasp on this, but servant of God is one of the first steps that you go through when your bishop of the diocese uh, has a, a formal investigation to investigate someone's life and present this uh, investigation to Rome, um, saying that, hey, we've studied her life, we've studied her writings, uh, and and starts that process of, of beatification, when Rome accepts that, then that servant of God status is given. Hmm. And I could be wrong on this, but I, I believe years ago, one of the first steps was venerable. Um, you know, you, you've heard the, the term venerable given to different, uh, different holy mm-hmm. people. Um, but uh, servant of God is that, that first step in the process of beatification. Okay. So she would get these visions. Um, did she always see Jesus, or how did he communicate with her? I'm trying to picture her laying in this bed and communicating with Jesus. How, how did that look for her? Well, in her writings, Jesus would come and communicate to her, but he would, he would reveal things to her, and he called them knowledges that Hmm. Uh, uh, rather than I'm going to reveal the knowledge of my divine will, it was knowledge is because there there are many different components to living this gift, hmm. um, and and it can be it can be overwhelming. You know, she wrote like eight thousand pages over forty years at the wow. direction of her spiritual director. So she didn't want to write, but he commanded her to write every conversation that she had with Jesus. And that wasn't rescinded until 
40 years later, so there are a lot of writings. What she would do is uh, Jesus would appear to her and go through the process of teaching her, and she was very much like we are, questioning God, challenging God. What about this? And I don't get this, you know, and, and that's one of the reasons why she didn't like people reading her writings is because she was kind of... Uh, just like we are, doubting, challenging, and, mm-hmm. you know, and being brought into this gift. And in that process, then, at night, when she would go into this state of, of whatever you want to call it, immobilization, uh, she would, what she described as, go swimming in the divine volition. And divine volition is another word for God's will. Um, so she would be uh, entering into the divine will. And the real essence of the gift that God gave her and brought her into was this entering into the past, present, and future. We all know that to God, everything is present in the eternal now. Mm -hmm. And he revealed to her that this was the first time uh, outside of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and Adam was originally... uh, created in this gift, but the first time that that a human being and mankind would be brought into this gift of being able to uh, transcend time, past, present, and future, and that her acts of reparation and our acts of reparation as we follow this gift would have an effect on restoring what God has been deprived of and bringing about the restoration of creation. Wow. Well, I have a million questions, but we have a break coming up here in a minute. So one question I want to ask real briefly is, how do we know when somebody is really being inspired by God, and how do we know when they're making it up, to be honest, to be frank? Uh, That's why this process takes a long time. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. the, the Church doesn't rush into anything. And at this point, she hasn't, uh, some of her writings have an imprimatur and the Neil Obstadt, but not all of them do. They're, they're taking their time and they want to unpack this and make sure that uh, everything is being examined. There are theological censors, there are canonical investigations. Um, these have all been taken place and they're in the final stages now of, of preparing and approving her writings and making a judgment on her case. Beautiful. Well, we're going to take a quick break when we come back more with Deacon Mike McEwen, and we're going to dive a little bit into the divine will, what that is, and should we practice it. I'm Father. I'm Father. No, you're not. No, I'm not. I'm Heather Caro. I'm Father Tim Cohn. (laughs) And we'll be back in just a minute. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. 
Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. Have you ever wondered if your family's past struggles have affected you personally? I'm Father Chris Alar. You and your ancestors are all part of the body of Christ, so you should desire healing for them for the consequence of their past sins. Evidence suggests that these consequences can even be passed down through generations. While God does not hold you personally responsible for the sins of your ancestors, He does allow the effect of their deeds to reverberate from one generation to the next. The sins or sanctity of your family members may impact you. So learn how to break free from any sinful bonds in your life. There is hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back. I'm Heather Carroll. I'm Father Tim Cohn. We're broadcasting today from Holy Spirit Parish in Mitchell, South Dakota. Thank you for joining us. Shout out to Mitchell. Yes. Home of the Corn Palace. The world's one and only. (laughs) I don't know why. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We've been having a great conversation with Deacon Mike McEwen this morning, talking about the servant of God, Luisa Picoretta. I'm going to say that that's correct. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Deacon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what God has revealed to her is uh, the divine will. So let's dive into what is um, the divine will. what are we talking about when we're saying divine will? Well, I, I think there's two aspects to the divine will. We all know, uh, if, if you've ever read uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori's uh, description and, and writings on the divine will, they're very edifying. And, and uh, what Jesus lo- revealed to Luisa Picaretta is, you know, at in the past, saints and people have been able to uh, do his will and be connected with his will in a way, but they've never been g- given the gift of fully enter, enter, entering into his will. And in entering into his will, it's not just that, um, you know, and this is obviously it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, but your will begins to uh, die off in a way. I mean, it's always there. It always has a life of its own but it becomes subjugated to God's will. So that's typical in a lot of uh, writings about God's will or the divine will. What's new and what hasn't been given before, according to what Jesus revealed to Louisa, is that it's the first time that mankind, uh, and she was the first outside of, you know, the Blessed Virgin Mary, 
and Jesus and originally Adam to experience this flowering of his will, this this immersion in his will, where now your prayers, when you do a prayer of reparation, when you do prayers for restoration, when you give God glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving, it not only affects who you're praying for, but it affects all of creation. And his his vision that he shared with her, his his goal or um, the the ultimate goal of this is that more and more people would come into this. And as we do, there's this ripple effect that goes out. And we, in God's will, our prayers can transcend time. We can, we can, our prayers have an effect on everything in the future, everything in the present, everything in the past, just like God's will does. So whatever God's will does, they're the effect of God's will. When we are praying in God's will, our prayers, our reparation, our praise and thanksgiving, that has an effect on everything that has existed or will exist. And it has a ripple effect of gradually renewing and recreating mankind until he brings us in. Now, this is where private revelation comes in. You know, the, the Church tells us in the Catechism that private revelation uh, can't add anything new to Revelation, but it's an explication of, of Revelation. How is this going to, to carry out? So we all know that Jesus will present a spotless bride of Christ to God. In the end, he will bring this about. We're not there yet. And this is a description of how this is going to come about through this divine will, through God drawing people into this. And again, we have to we have to clarify that the Church hasn't formalized their approval of all this, but as we were talking about between us during the break, that this is um, something that is in its final stages. You know, the, the theological censors, the, uh, the investigations have taken place, there hasn't been anything to throw this off at this point, uh, but the Church hasn't made a final judgment. So until that time, we're encouraged to study her writings, to take this up, but not to get ahead of the Church. And, and that means, uh, yes, we can safely work with those writings that have been given approval, uh, that have the Neil Obstas, the, the imprimatur, but to always do it in line with church teaching and according to uh, the authority of the church. You know, one of the things that's beautiful about this <clears throat> is, uh, I mean, as we'd mentioned a little bit during the break, uh, you know, so many of the spiritual writers in the history of the church have talked about, I mean, the, the sort of even the stages of uh, the, the spiritual life, the last one is the, you know, the, the unitive way, uh, union with our wills, with, with our Lord's will. Um, so in a certain respect, I mean, well, this is, this is an, you know, a further, uh, uh, you know, this is what the church has taught uh, in, in her, in her spirituality for, I mean, for so long anyway, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, uh, I've been thinking about this a, a lot that even today, you know, you see the state of the circumstances of the world. Uh, could you imagine if we lived as though this were true? that what I do actually has a ripple effect. When I actually pray, when I'm praying for other people, uh, something actually happens. 
you know, it's easy to think that, okay, only if I see something happen, then, you know, uh, or we just say, you know, I'll pray for you, but then it's sort of an afterthought or, you know, maybe it comes around, maybe it doesn't. But, you know, like the, the apostles, I mean, so we're now right after Easter, uh, it, we're in the in a certain respect our time and place right now. We're like the the early church who just you know the mass readings this morning. Yeah. Their prayer filled the filled, it shook the space. Uh, you mm-hmm. know that it actually has an effect. Uh, if you know, could you imagine if we actually lived this way day in and day out? And this uh, I, like this, this is getting me all ramped up. I mean, I, uh, but it, it's so it's true. very I mean, this, similar to it's very similar to uh, Saint Faustina and and the. The gift of divine mercy that we just celebrated, right? It right. has it has this effect that is well beyond our own capabilities. Only because we are praying in union with Christ, but Jesus tells Louisa that this particular gift is uh, it's beyond that. It's a, he says it's a sanctity that's not yet known, and it's the fulfillment and crown of all other sanctities. This is God's will operating in God's will um, with the power of God's will is what mankind is being drawn toward. So she she lived in the 1800s, and her cause was just opened up in 2005. Why do you think this is so important in coming to light today? Well, she actually was born in the 1800s, but she died in 1947. Okay. Oh, wow. Um so, and there have been some bumps in the road, along with St. Faustina. Her writings at one mm-hmm. time were placed on the Index of Forbidden Books, because it's like, hey, this is mystics, we're not sure about this. But as the Church had time to unpack that, uh, Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, um, later, who became Pope Benedict, he removed uh, any any moratorium on her writing. Um, a couple years later, then... Uh, St. John Paul II canonized St. Hannibal de Francia, who was her her confessor. And it just kind of started this movement. So when we hear uh, Pope John Paul II talking about this new era of peace that's coming, and you think, well, that seems a little far-fetched. You know, Jesus is telling Louisa the same thing. It's like, hey, this is, this is coming. That's why you're going through so much confusion in the world right now, to prepare for this time when my will reigns in the church, and it's going to be a glorious time. And this is the new springtime that John Paul II talks about, or if you want to refer to it as the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, or there's different expressions from from different uh, angles, but it's this time of unity and living and operating in God's will. That's very exciting. Yeah. (laughs) And you, you know it what's is. beautiful about it? I mean, it's uh, this is what the, the, the church prays for every time we pray the Our Father. You know, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done mm-hmm. uh, now on earth as it is in heaven, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is, I, this is the goal in all of us, I mean, to do our Lord's will uh, all day, every way, to actually strive to live for him day in and day out. How do you change the world? You change this one, you know. Right. And this yeah. is this is speaking actually- to that. <laughs> He actually, Jesus actually told Louisa just that. He said, this is the fulfillment of the Our Father prayer, and I would not have given that prayer. I don't give, you know, commands to, that you can't fulfill. He said, when I gave that prayer, the Our Father prayer, I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, I, 
fully planned to bring that about. And this is the way that that as as we're preparing for uh, this this final era in the church, this is the way that he is choosing to bring it about according to these revelations. And you know what's what's beautiful about this is because I know some people that will kind of get hung up and like, okay, well, it's not officially approved by the church and that kind of thing. You know, and anything with, with private revelation that it's like, look, okay, if this will help you, right. like, take it. What's run, wrong with it? Use yeah. what's actually going to draw you closer to our Lord. You know, if it's something that ends up taking it away, then okay, let it go. You know, then. Right. Um, but that, this is really exciting. It's almost like God saying, all right, you guys have figured enough out. Let's add another level and see how you guys do with this. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, and it's, it's just like the Old Testament. He didn't take the, the, the Old Testament people of God from where they were to the fullness of, you know, living yeah. in, in Christi- Christianity and God's <laughs> kingdom. It's like, I have to take this in steps. And that's what he revealed to Louisa is that, you know, I had to prepare mankind in steps. Mm-hmm. First t- 2,000 years, he said, I re- renewed the world by the flood. The second 2,000 years, I renewed the world by my coming. In this third 2,000 years, that I am renewing the world by this devotion and this, I don't want to say devotion, by my divine will. And, by the way, Pope Padre Pio, or, excuse me, St. Padre Pio, was a contemporary of hers. And he said the third millennium will be filled with mm. Louisa and the light of her teaching. Beautiful. He had that much regard for her. Well, unfortunately, Deacon, our time is up and we need to take a break. But thank you for sharing uh, the divine will and a little bit about Louisa with us. Um, if folks are interested in hearing more, you do have a couple of YouTube videos that people can watch. Uh, Introduction to Divine Will. Uh, you've got two talks on YouTube. Um, so thank you for those. Yeah. We'll have to, if people are interested, can go and watch more of Deacon Mike McEwen. Thank you, Deacon. All right. Thank you. It's been good. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to head to Aberdeen. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 